change for change's sake is not good, but change for progress is. And so when you are a leader, what is the best way to lead? Small, large organizations, right? And if you change or adapt as a leader, is that a bad thing? And how do you do that with, for lack of a better word, grace? So how do you do that in a way in which you are successful? Because the reality is that it's not being a sellout to change your leadership styles in the way that you lead. In fact, it's a necessity or you will fail. Welcome to Saving Capitalism. And today we are talking about organizational leadership and building. Now, there are a lot of phases that organizations uh, go through, businesses and entrepreneurs go through. I know that I have gone through some and I'm in the middle of some today. And this can be very, very difficult. And I think a lot of people don't understand is that you need to change as a leader. Now, a lot of people, when we look at organizations, when we look at businesses, we may put a idea of what that owner or leader should do, look like, say, be, past, all sorts of things, uh, which is natural. Why? Because most of the time those leaders are making decisions over us. It is one of the reasons why politics are so, so hot. It's a topic that people um, get very nasty about because there tends to be little leeway um, for thought. And uh, that is not necessarily even what I would think uh, a, a bad thing, but a default because I want to understand. So I don't want to have a leader in which is saying one thing and doing another. Welcome to politics. But I want to know who am I hiring and who is making the decisions over me? And so when you are a leader, what is the best way to lead? Small, large organizations, right? And if you change or adapt as a leader, is that a bad thing? It's not being a sellout to change your leadership styles in the way that you lead. In fact, it's a necessity or you will fail. And today we're gonna to go through why and what happens when you are a leader. Everyone that listens to my podcast, I think clearly understands and feels my um, overall disgust with uh, political leaders. And uh, that is largely because of what we've talked about. It is because of things like hypocrisy and the lack of trust that you have with them. Now, this is not just overall leadership. Like the idea of uh, politics making or po politicians making decisions, lying, self-interest, uh, corrupt, all the things that we attribute today, because those are all true in uh, politics today. Uh, those are not just a political thing. Those are basically felt across the spectrum. And we see this when we're dealing with things like banks and large uh, organizations, Fortune 500 companies with tens of thousands of employees. And the reason being is these companies have power. Whether or not you use them doesn't necessarily mean they don't have power over you. And corporations have become something they never were before. Uh, the consolidation of power in the private sector 
uh, due to a lot of things, including government involvement, uh, corporate structure and scale, um, the world being flat, have led and technology has led to ginormous, mind-boggling size of companies in every single industry. And this has produced a world where there are a handful of people lots of times in complete industries that are basically setting the industry. They're setting the tone, the stage. They are setting the rules by which the game will be played by. Now, I am very interested in leaders and leadership as I would like to be a good one, even though I fall short of that so much. Um, I have been very interested in how leaders who were not good leaders grew to be phenomenal ones. Um, I often think of leaders like Teddy Roosevelt and what he had to do to reshape his image. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Teddy Roosevelt, this uh, man that looks like a, it built an image around being a, a complete uh, outdoorsman with his hat, his trophies, built national parks, went on these exploratory missions and was tough as nails. And uh, that was very contrary to the image he had when he was younger. He had more of an image of a complete out-of-touch aristocrat making, wearing funny clothes walking down the streets that had nothing in common with uh, the normal people, especially frontiersmen, more or less. Uh, he diligently worked to change who he was his image, um, and it, it wasn't fake work. He literally went out on the missions. He almost died. He went out to those places. He went on hunts. And this evolution, I think, is important, not just of Teddy Roosevelt or anybody else or any political leader, just the evolution of a person to become, become something that we are not. And I, I believe strongly in this. I believe strongly in the ability for individuals um, to change uh, the direction of their life. Now, I believe that there are lots of things that, you know, not lots, but there are things that we can't change that are obviously who we are. But for the most part, um, you can. And uh, I think that has to be a fundamental belief in entrepreneurship. And the reason being is, uh, if that wasn't true, we'd perpetually be stuck at a certain point but that's not true. Um, we, we know that the brain can change. You can rebuild nervous nerve pathways. By doing certain things, your nervous system communicates and builds in certain ways, which allows you to think in certain ways. We can actually mold our brain. And uh, none of that is easy. We can mold our body. We can change. And you see bodybuilders. That's why working out is so inspirational. It's a means to control and change our very nature. Uh, this is all inspirational because there's always things that lots of pe times people don't like about themselves. Now, I am definitely not one of those people that say you should just love everything about you. Uh, that's total bullcrap. There's plenty of things about you that nobody likes and they shouldn't like, right? I mean, come on. Could you imagine if you still acted like a child? No, you grow up, right? <laughs> like be better, become better. Like that is the point. Progress is the point. No, you should just not love everything about you. Um, you should love about your potential, who you are and what that means and how you can become a better person. And you should love yourself along the journey. And I totally believe that. Uh, but 
when looking at becoming a leader, most people aren't just natural, inherent, gifted leaders. I really believe that. I believe leadership is something that is learned. I believe people are not naturally great spokesmen. And I think the reason being is I was a horrible speaker. I was terrified to speak in front of audiences. Um, I was extraordinarily self-conscious. I'm a dyslexic ADHD kid, and I ended up becoming bilingual, um, something I never thought previously would be possible. I speak all the time now, um, routinely on stage in front of thousands of people. And that is also something I could have never fathomed or imagined. Um, and I, I think that this process that we go through, um, it is a natural process. I think we're made to be to change. I think we're made to improve, to grow better. Um, there's a lot of things in life, though, that today allows us to not change. And it allows us to be comfortable and simply accept everything, which I don't think is good. And I don't think we lived in a world that that was acceptable, that that was you weren't able to do. You wouldn't survive, right, if we did that. So I believe the bodies are made from the basic level to change, to progress. Um, now, mastering a skill of change in a good way while still remaining core to your beliefs is very, very difficult. So while I believe in change, I also believe that um, short-term change, meaning bouncing all over the place, not having core foundation or beliefs is not good. I mean, change and be building off of something. And this is something we've all talked about, we all struggle with, right? Well, I, I believe you should change, but then what do you not change? And how I view it is I know core truths, I have core beliefs, I have core foundations. And I accept all information, I'm willing to study everything and to learn more. But I'm very slow to change core inherent things that are creating great outcomes for me, my life, and I really want to analyze. I do not want to be someone that has no directional, no, no direction, that just simply floats around. And we all know people like this. And I don't even think that's change. And that's why I don't believe you, change doesn't mean you tear everything down. It doesn't mean that you uh, go with whatever new thing is out there. That's not change, right? That is just being all over the place. In fact, that's the difference. The change I'm ta the, talking about is progress. Change for change's sake is not good, but change for progress is. And it's something that uh, everyone should take seriously. I do. I change my mind on things all the time. Um, I, don't, I change what I'm doing predicated on new information, testing things, understanding, because there are a difference between long-term and short-term variables. There are some things in life that are short-term, short-term information, moment that may be true then, but is not in the long run. Conditions change. I do not want to be subject to short-term conditions that change me at the downfall of long-term conditions. This is an economic investing principle, business principle that I hold. Uh, we see this happen too often. You have a downturn in the market and people fly away from their core beliefs and then the market changes or has an upturn and they're, they're lost. The business fails. Um, and being a leader, you need to have a vision. You need to have something. You need to have principles, foundations, and core beliefs. If not, nobody knows who they're following. Nobody knows what you stand for, right? So what all this means, and I know you're probably saying, AJ, what the heck are you trying to get at now? You're saying change, but not change. Um, remember, change means progress. And the levels of 
progressing as a leader, I believe are fairly distinct within organizations. And they're more predicated on the, um, first of all, uh, the needs of the leader. And those needs are generally determined by size and ability to communicate and the type of people that you're communicating with. So let me walk you through my levels as I see it of leadership. And I can talk to you about areas that I've struggled with, areas that I may be struggling today, that I may be trying to get better at, but that I recognize. So the first level in entrepreneurship and leadership um, is pretty simple. It's, you know, you're doing everything, okay? You may have some helpers, um, but even with some baseline employees, it's a very flat, organization. It's either you alone, or it's you and a handful of people, or one or two people, but everything is going through you. All decisions are made. Nothing's happening without you touching it. Nothing's happening without you understanding it, right? Um, you're making all the decisions, all the mistakes. You just have people that are helping you execute. This is a very simple flat level where you are leading um, the direction all the time. So the leadership mode is just whatever you say, right? Uh, lots of times there are not long-term core uh, structures in place, but that's okay because you're at the helm. And so the long-term and the, the overall structure and leadership style is you, right? You have a question about something, you just ask. And you give the feedback immediately. And you're building. And uh, you have the skill sets. Now, this structure is difficult in some ways, and that may be difficult in what you're doing, right? So it's, it's hard, you gotta do everything. And, and you take, um, you, you control everything, you have the say of everything, but it, the organization is limited on you. Now, uh, that means a lot of work, uh, a lot of stress probably, and you feel, can feel alone a lot of times. But as leadership goes, the next levels are also difficult, but the difficulties change. So. The next level, one, or excuse me, two. Basically, I view that there are degrees of separation. And that's kind of how I define the leadership. So when you have one degree of separation, that means just everybody's talking with you. The second degree of separation means uh, your, your degree of management. This is the first time you'll ever get management or have management. And now there's a degree of separation from you and the thing, the executing. Once again, this is true in entrepreneurship or business or politics or anything else. Degrees of separation. Now, this requires you to be a different leader. It requires you to make decisions differently. You have to now communicate differently, right? Because you have the executors um, and you are working with them. But then they go and they communicate those things to the people below them. Management right? Um, a lot of entrepreneurs can find this very, very difficult. The reason being is they are now have a separation, not just from maybe those employees, but they also have a separation from the outcome of the thing. And they want to do it their way. They're the best at it. They know how to do it. And so lots of times they bypass the management structure and go down employees. It's very bad, right? Um, and once again, I'm talking about all this stuff from experience. Now, also the change is the people you have to hire. So when you start hiring management, the individuals that you hire, the skills that maybe they need are not the skills before. Lots of times we hire 
people that are amazing executors. They're good at doing the thing. And then we promote them up in a managerial position and they're not good at that. And you're like, how is that possible? You were the best. Teach others what you did, right? Show them what you did. You make them do what you did and they can't. They're not good at keeping others on task. They aren't good at setting goals and making sure that those people follow the goals. They're managing people now, not necessarily that process. Uh, a big mistake that we all make, and I've made it countless times. Well, the leader has the same problem as the managers. He's now dealing with the, man uh, the manager level. So he's communicating through them, asking them to deploy workforce, set goals. Now they're managing people more than they're managing the actual process. The next level is the third level. It's the third degree of separation. Now, to keep things simple, we're uh, keeping it at the third degree. Why? Because the third degree would be then be more of a corporate level. So you have the baseline level of people, you have the managers, and now you have what would be considered a C-suite. Now, of course, there are lots of different levels in between, but at the but as a leadership style and being, it's the same thing. Meaning that whether you have two layers of managers, you're still dealing with managers. But this third separation, now you are dealing with a different type of person that aren't managers. These C-suite people, these are builders and executors. Nothing like the first level and definitely not like managers. Professional managers are really good, right? Business schools pump out professional managers. That's what they do, right? Skilled people that you hire and you train on the ground level, that's what they do. Now, as business school pumps out professional managers, they learn all of these fancy terms. They learn how to uh, manage workflow flows. They learn budgeting and you're given a budget and how to do all these things, right? And that information is then passed up. Um, organizations can become bureaucratic. They can lose their innovation and they can lose their effectiveness. I know this firsthand. Um, and when you hire these upper level people, not just the managers, but now on our third level of separation, your three level, level separation, you now have your um, C-suite, your managers. And I'm just saying C-suite to determine the class of type of management people that are on there. They are not the managers of people, but the managers of the business. They are actually the builders of the business. They're setting forth things. They're, they are the ones that are doing, right? This is a whole new level of you releasing and allowing someone to build your company. Um, these people are not like the other two levels. And, um, you can, this can cause a lot of problems. As a leader, you have to be able to communicate and talk with now a new type of person that is a builder, that is an executor, that is not just simply there to manage and operate, um, but they have extraordinarily high skill sets. They are assets of the company. They are needed for the company to grow or build. And you can't get to a point where you can't do it without them. And they shape everything from culture to build how the company will be. Well, these people have to also work together. And uh, as a leader, you have to now set the tone and the vision of the company more so than the execution. 
and the monitoring of that execution. Um, so this is an area where I feel like I have been struggling. Not going to lie. Um, I think moving from a small to a midsize to where we've been trying to set up a new infrastructure, I, I actually think I messed up. So my original structure and how I had visioned it out, I, I, I don't think, I know, I screwed it up. And it wasn't the people that I hired. It was how I did it. And I, I thought I had a great idea of a new way to do it and a way that we could have people invested, way that we could build. The problem was all of a sudden we had multiple people that were trying to build in their own way. They were not unified. They were not executing together. And um, that was my fault. And as the leader, I needed to be the one that brought them together and had people that could execute together and build together moving forward. Um, their management style underneath them was all different. And what ended up happening is those more C-level suites created their own internal operating systems. And we had a fragmented management style, a fragmented culture, um, and that caused then employee problems and issues. And uh, it, it just wasn't good. What, how I thought of running that third level, um, I was acting like it was the second one. It was lack of experience, being naive. And, you know, you look back on this stuff too, and it's like, I, I knew this. <laughs> you look back, you're like, of course, I knew this. Um, uh, but obviously, I didn't, um, and I didn't execute on it. So when taking the time to look at it, we needed to do a few things. And how do I empower these people to build, to be independent and innovative, um, yet bring it on the same page? Because what it ended up happening is I created a lack of communication, bureaucracy, um, different models and operating systems within the same company, which created a slow, bureaucratic, not coordinated, not unified. Um, everything you're supposed to not do as a leader, right? And um, then I also created a system where those things weren't getting fed back to me uh, because nobody wanted to look like they were doing poorly. And so what we had to do is we had to shuffle around everything from shuffling around the bus, but I, I had to rethink my management style up at that level. And so what we did is we um, centralized an operating method. I put a one person in charge of the execution of it. So I have a, now an implementer, one, instead of being multiple, but have those multiple people be able to still grow and build their departments, do all those kind of things. But it had to be off an operating system, a standard communication system, not that could just simply be, be decided because people can't, they, they have different types of management styles. That's not bad. It's not bad. But that doesn't work when you have different management styles, yes, but different management operating systems. That is bad. That doesn't work. So we had to reunify around a, our, our set goals and everything. And I had to work now. We had to have a, a C-suite um, that came together. This all sounds so simple, right? But it's not when you're in it. 
Um, it, it isn't. Uh, the reason being is you're dealing with people and you're dealing with talented people. You're dealing with people that have skills and are good at what they do. And lots of times you want to listen to everybody and you want to do those things because they're good ideas. And it's really hard to express and talk to somebody that says, you're right, your idea is good. We're not doing it. Why? This is the right way to go. This may be the right way to go for you or this part of the company, but is not overall. It's more important that we go together. And uh, um, some people just aren't skilled and gifted at certain things. So everybody wants to cater operating systems that your company's running off, management style, reporting, SOPs, right? All of your systems to what they're good at, shy away from what they're bad at. Then you have somebody else that's doing the same and then all of a sudden you get holes, right? So what happens is when you recenter them and have uh, and and create that is everybody's doing things that maybe they're not the best at, and maybe it's not the best at what they sh that they're not what they would prefer or how they would have it good at. So everybody's doing a little of that because we have to do it as a team. Um, this was hard. It was really hard, and uh, I I I I felt frankly ashamed of myself for a long time uh, because I thought, man, I. I used to be such a good leader and I made this huge mistake and it, I felt like it set me back for so long, right? Um, but I realized, first of all, what I was trying to do, still in theory, I even, I still look back and I'm like, dang, that is good. But in practice, it doesn't work. So um, we, you know, you moved away. But the problem is, and the reason why the biggest problem is, the three levels of separation how I had constructed everything, I wasn't getting feedback. And the feedback from the bottom wasn't hitting the top. So my flat organization had become bureaucratic and carved out. Now, obviously it's not like this was like devastating, anything else like that, but it was for me because our growth slowed and we had issues. And then I was finding out issues when they emerged in things like my the financials, not when they should have. And that was simply due to, to this nature. So I realized something, something not fun that a lot of us have to realize. I have to change. I have to be a different leader. And I have to do things differently. And uh, I have to bring people along or I have to cut them free. And those that are willing to do it, um, great. Those that aren't, that aren't okay, um, organization obviously can't go on. Now, um, these personalities being different than managerial personalities and everything, that's another thing. Working together, um, it can be hard because they are builders. They want to build things, right? So then now how do we repurpose? How do we get people on the same page, unison, all working together? Clear set up lines. There's another thing too. When you have a big organization, when you have lots of people or multiple organizations. So one of the biggest things for me is I have, um, right now I have a, my organization breakup, we have private equity, we have property management, our tech stack that we own, we have independent um, operating boards, CEOs, right? We have um, uh, our our marketing 
company, uh, our brand, um, all these things, although they're separate, we have completely separate leadership and they have to work together. And the moment they don't, we have connectivity issues. And I was seeing this not in real time, but after the fact, and that's when it was like, no, that was the problem. The, the connectivity, right? Of these independent things. So, um, I, I, I realized I can't, they're not managers and I'm, and I'm doing it wrong. And, uh, too often I see people that believe that it's everybody underneath them that is wrong. And I'm not saying that it was, first of all, I, there are people that underneath, they have to change, they have to move, they have to grow or they have to leave. And an organization should leave people as it grows. This is part of it. Now, I believe I am not somebody that's like, oh yeah, you just fire fast. I actually don't believe in that. Um, I believe at first, if you hire somebody and it's not working out, then you fire fast. But if you have somebody and as the company's progressing, there's people that need to get left behind um, or that want to be and they, they need to leave and you need them to for the, the company to go, uh, grow forward. But two, you just can't be turning over those core people because then you're you're not able to not only execute, but you're not able to hold your competitive advantage in the marketplace. So you need to be careful and you uh, about in progress mode and as a leader, and you need to try to train and uplift people so they can get on, right? Now, the hiring part, we've changed and I've changed dramatically. And there's this idea of who, not how. I like it in principle. But one of the things that you have to realize is that people that are really good at what they do may not be really good at what they do with you or in your organization. This is something a lot of people don't talk about. You say, just hire the best people. That's the, one of the worst lines ever. Um, I think people say, oh, I just surround myself with A players or the best and everybody just makes everything work. That's not true at all. <laughs> I know the companies lots of times that say that and they don't have A players. And the reason being is you need an A player within your organization, meaning that there are certain people, first of all, that shouldn't be A players, right? You shouldn't have just high performers everywhere. That doesn't make sense. Um, and so when you look at an organization, you need to attract people that are good at their job, that they can execute and take the company to the next level, but they can do it with everyone. They bring others up. Lots of times that's more important than them being the best. In fact, not lots of times, it is. Michael Jordan was only as good as his team. Michael Jordan was great because he lifted his team up. That made him shine more. And uh, um, so when you're hiring and you're looking for the best people ever, um, these are people that also can do the most disruption. So we are slow to hire uh, for this type of level because you're talking on this third level, a different type of hiring, a different type of finding people and leading people. It's a different type of person. So the third degree, you have to change your communication style, your leadership style, your hiring style, um, and how you work and work with others. Now, once again, you're talking about levels of separation. You want to have these levels, but you want to act as if the organization is flat. You want to have transparency, quick moves. One of the biggest problems that you have, though, in an organization as it grows is the individuals within the organization who have their hands in everything, they're, they start getting limited and limited and limited because the uh, organization is breaking out in terms of functionality. Well, 
manage uh, as you're managing and you're growing, lots of people are used to having lots of say and lots of decisions. And I generally have more of a democratic approach where I actually want to hear feedback and I want to know. Um, as the organization gets bigger though, the ability to do that has to be very controlled. And some people just aren't good at it in an organization, right? My way or the highway. And uh, um, frankly, you shouldn't give some people say, and they shouldn't know it because they can't handle it, right? They can't handle mistakes. They can't handle looking at other people and seeing if they're doing good or bad. And then you have other people that they shouldn't be given the responsibility because they can't accept that responsibility or they're not qualified to make those decisions or give that feedback. Once again, it's not bad either way, but at that third level, the decision-making process is so important. And it doesn't mean because someone's qualified down here that they should be making an organizational decision. You're completely changing the way the company works at this level. This is a fine line people are walking. And I feel like this is the fine line as our organization grows to a big next level that we're trying to get to, that this operating system that we're building now on our third, uh, my third level of leadership is going to be the one that takes us to triple or quadruple. So it has to be done right and I have to get it right. Um, so it's, it, it is a big deal. And I do not want to build and scale on something that can't uh, take it and will break. Also to, it depends on the type of organization you obviously have. We internally do everything and that's how we want to build. And so how we're building is going to be slower, I think, than a lot of people because we do more and much more. That also creates more need for communication flows, connectivity, right, that other organizations don't have. They hire things for third parties that they do. Uh, so we have great benefits being such a vertically integrated company with outward facing uh, companies, but that also requires us uh, to have a very robust leadership structure. Um, and we have to be careful because one can't grow at another length. That makes sense. Uh, so as we're building this out, we're building out a company that frankly is not like other companies. Um, and the way we're building it, we may be growing horizontally, not just vertically. And that can get off accessed. If you grow vertically too big, but you're not growing horizontally, the base of products, services, assets that you're actually glowing, people are buying, flooding into the market, can't support it, right? It gets off tiltered. Now, if you grow vertically, um, but not horizontally, you're top heavy, you fall over. So the cross needs to be the same. And what you have, have happen in lots of organizations that are so integrated like us is that one's tipped while the other one may not be. It's a balancing act. Now, that allows us to, if you thought of it like a scope and you're trying to hit the target, it's a lot easier when you have both cross sections as opposed to one, right? It makes your aim better. And that's what we're hoping. But when it's off, it makes it worse. So, it's a tightrope and you need to understand, are you going to make an organization that is like that? Or are you going to make something different? How, how, who are you going to be and how are you going to build it? 
And that is going to very much determine that operating system and the needs of your employees, how flat the organization will be, how vertical the communication styles that you need to be in. Most importantly, it's going to determine who the types of people that you need to hire and bring in because they are the ones, especially at this third level, that will end up building culture, everything. And so they can set you back the most. Um, now, I have to be a different person. When I thought I was an expert at certain things, and I think even if there's some things that I could do better than somebody else, it doesn't mean I should. And you have to accept that certain people are going to do things their way because it's better for them to do it that way. As long as the outcome's good, you, you need to accept it. That's hard. It's hard when you're really good at what you do. Really hard. <laughs> and becoming um, a leader from when you've done everything and you're good at it to uh, totally redefining that leadership role um, and still accepting responsibility for others' mistakes, uh, that that is a new skill. I believe it's one that you can develop and I believe it's one that you should develop. It's one that I am trying to develop more, but it is a different skill and it takes different ways of um, operating that you may be good at or not. I generally find that on your first, second, or third layer, people are naturally good at one or the two. For me, in general, I think the second level was where I was really good at. The third level, unknowns lots, I'm having to develop a lot more in. Now, this isn't just entrepreneurship. You see this at every levels of community, right? You see this at every levels of government. Um, you see this in churches, everything else. And I think that you as be developing yourself as a leader, you need to understand, do I function better when there is no degrees of separation of me and the people that I'm trying to lead? Do I function better with a managerial and a uh, people to deploy, execute, but I'm still seeing and, and I'm still having on all the decisions? Or am I much better with implementers, executors, delegating down, having them and having less say in that and creating more of the structured environment? Uh, now, some people, they can't be that next. We see it all the time, entrepreneurs, great from the start to some point, but then they're not good. They have to leave. I've read about this all the time and I've often wondered, could I be that person or do I need to step aside at some point? I guess I would if I needed to. Uh, but my goal is that I won't and I will be willing to change and I'll be willing to be a better leader because my organization at the fourth level that we need to be is going to require me to be another leader again. So here's the truth of the matter. If you're a leader, you better be able to change while staying true to who and what you are and to be able to carry a vision and a map that tells people where are we going, but then change your execution and communication styles. Read about people that are doing this, that have done this. Read about entrepreneurs that could build a company and stay with the company on the way up. Read about the ones that couldn't, that lost their company and somebody else came in and they built it, or the ones that just simply stepped away because they knew. What was it that they were lacking? And are you willing to do that or not? It doesn't matter. If you're not, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I have friends that are really good at that zero to 50 employees. They want to be able to touch everything. The moment you start adding in a lot of management, that's when they're out. They don't even like it. It's not even fun for them anymore. They don't want to be out. They recognize it, they know it, and they're good at it. So look at yourself. What kind of leader are you? What do you want to be? in your community, your church, your organization, your current job, or something you're building. 
And where do you need to go or what do you need to change to become the type of leader you want to be? Start working on it and actively pursuing those things and building up those skills so you understand and you can identify your weaknesses. And so that way you can fix them or hire other people to come in and make you a better leader. Have a good one, everybody.